Welcome to VG Empire episode 136. I can't believe it. We're still doing this. The show's not dead. It's not dead. Um, uh, I'm your host, Brett Elston, joined to my left by... Your glitter boy, what? Patrick Kulikowski. We didn't discuss this I will time. explain later. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is it's relevant. It's a Shadowrun reference, I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, yes. So the first episode in a long time, show's not dead. Um, just been real busy at the new gig. Um, if you're following Laser Time, Bonus Time, you know what happened. <laughs> uh, so it's all good, and we're going to try to get some more episodes in over the summer. It's just been really busy. Um, mm. And frankly, back in like 2013, 2012, the show did kind of disappear in like July, August time frame. Because of just so many public shows and a lot of traveling involved for work, so um, yeah, not not totally out of the realm of expectations there. But the show, sure. show is back, and uh, we're doing a an episode you have wanted to do for uh, several months oh, now, and years, just maybe. <laughs> keep, keeps. Well, I, I would say uh, months in like specific request, and like here's mm. the doc, here are the songs, and then we'll go. Okay, we'll do it next week. Well, we'll do it next week. Well, then it's E3. <laughs> and then it keeps going. And then, yeah, <laughs> and then so this has been trying to be made basically since like March. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's yeah. basically July 1st now. In its current form, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this is all Shadowrun. That's right. Um, which I don't know anything about. Well, to be honest, I've never played the pen and paper game because that's what it originated as. Ah. Uh, I guess to give a little bit of backstory, it was created in and released in 1989. Um, it's set in a dystopian cyberpunk Seattle, so immediately, you know, they had me at cyberpunk, pretty much. Uh, it, you know, it's not typical sci- cyberpunk, though, so it's not just sci-fi, kind of Blade Runner-y stuff. It mixes it with mm-hmm. D&D fantasy elements, so oh yeah, you don't just have humans and androids and things like that. You have orcs and dwarves and elves living together, mass hysteria. Or like, mass hysteria. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really fascinating. And so, uh, originally when it came out, it was set in the year... Tw- distant year of 2050 uh the newer handbooks updated this to 2078 and uh it's a little better yeah as far um you know i've always wanted to play the pen and paper game never got the chance to but um i do know that it uses a lot of like six-sided dice for various roles that kind of thing um doesn't really rely on figurines like DD or anything like that it's all pretty much just like word of mouth and that kind of thing but um the pen and paper game was created by fasa Corporation, um, and it was co-created by Jordan Wiseman, who is also the founder of Indie Dev uh, Hairbrain Schemes, and they're the ones who revived the series after it had that lull for a while, mm-hmm. and they came back with that successful uh, Shadowrun Returns Kickstarter. Uh, for the purposes of this uh, episode, we're going to just focus on the uh, retro stuff. You can call it retro now at this point. Uh, we're going to go over like Super Nintendo, Genesis, uh, and would you believe there was a Sega CD? Hell yeah! Japan only Shadowrun game. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but anyway, in uh, in the Shadowrun world, um, magic exists in it along with these other fantasy elements, and it was kind of 
in the lore, it was made available to the world in the year 2011, along Damn. with The Matrix, which people could neurally jack into. So The Matrix, that whole concept came from, and pretty much every cyberpunk uh, theme or story owes itself to heavily to William Gibson's The Neuromancer. Right. And, of course, uh, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner as well. Um, but, yeah, th- these, these two, like pieces of media pretty much paved the way for cyberpunk in many ways but Shadowrun's story is basically the idea that giant mega corporations run the world so basically it's like real life mm-hmm. um yep. uh, corporate espionage is the central part of what goes on in that world and um a Shadowrun refers to a successful like data theft or a physical break-in at a rival corporation or <laughs> organization within this universe so <laughs> um yeah and it's one of the main tools employed by both Corporate rivals, underworld figures, shady stuff. A lot of uh, Johnny Manomic kind of style right. stuff. Uh, of course, that movie came out after Shadowrun, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like a tons of lore. Uh, lots of like uh, the, the world has changed. Like uh, Native American tribes like came together and like conquered most of the Western U.S. and Canada, which I think is a really awesome huh. plot development. Uh, Seattle is still kind of like the main, under main U.S. control. It's like a city-state enclave. Uh, and most of uh, Shadowrun's materials are set in that world, but obviously other campaigns can mm. use other parts, uh, you know, other settings, that kind of thing. Um, it's interesting because the way... Uh, the way human, uh, the way orcs and trolls came about is uh, humans were goblin goblinized into them, and then human children were born as like elves, dwarves, more exotic creatures. They're dragons in this world. It's really, really fascinating. Did they? People were wait. They were goblinized. Yeah, like they they somehow turn into. I don't know all the entire uh, story behind it, but so it's not were like converted in a way. So it's like, not like a rift in reality. It could be that broke, too. and then orcs and demons came through. Uh, well, no, not quite like that. It's uh, more like a, a magic thing. Something happens within the earth to allow magic to I suddenly see. exist. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, I first going going into the game specifically. So the very first Shadowrun game was made for the Super Nintendo, and uh, I learned about it for the first time through an old issue of Nintendo Power. Uh, to be specific, issue number forty-eight. It's got Batman Returns on the cover, May nineteen ninety-three. Um, and this was developed by uh, Beam Software and published by Data East R.I.P. Yeah. Uh, Beam Software, they made uh, several games back in the day, like Punisher for NES. That's not bad. Back to the Future NES games. Not good. Uh, True Lies on SNES, which I think Chris once streamed. I it's, remember. It's him. interesting. Yeah. Uh, Radical Rex, uh, Super Smash TV there on the go. Genesis and SNES. And an interesting uh, detective game called Nightshade oh, yeah. on NES, which... Yeah. Um, a lot of elements of Nightshade kind of were like spiritually embedded in mm. this uh, Shadowrun SNES game, and then of course Data East, you know, for Karate Champ, Bad Dudes, Karnov. Mostly, stuff. yeah, mostly Bad Dudes, Karnov. Uh, did they do Kid Nicky? Uh, maybe I, I don't know. Uh, Burger Time, that kind of stuff. So uh, Joe and Mac. Yeah. So the the music of Shadowrun was composed by Marshall Parker. Uh, he worked on. Star the Star Wars for NES, which had a really awesome soundtrack. Oh, really? Uh, highly recommend that one. He did the NES and SNES conversions of Super Smash TV, uh, Mech Warrior on SNES, True Lies, of course. Um, as far as I know now, he he's part of Ubisoft Singapore, and he's a sound designer there. He 
worked on Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Uh, but Shadowrun for sure is like his most known work. Huh. So um, to go into specifics with the game itself, it's isometric action RPG, obviously set in Seattle. Uh, one key thing is the moment you like boot up the game and start is the sprites are like super tiny, minuscule, uh, although the character portraits are like incredibly detailed. Um, the way you like talk to NPCs in the game, you use keywords, kind of like Final Fantasy 2 like using special keywords to unlock new keywords and new strings of conversation to progress the story. And then uh, you rely on like a mouse cursor uh, to like examine things in the world. And then another crosshair cursor is what you use to actually shoot enemies in the game. So uh, you play as a a guy named Jake Armitage, uh, most 90s (laughs) uh, hero name of all time. He's an amnesiac shadow runner for hire and he gets quote-unquote geeked, wow. as they call it in, in the game. Uh, there's a whole shadow slang that huh. will go over at, at some Man, point. Man, I hear that all... I mean, you hear it now as, like, regular yeah. regular slang, like you got geeked out or... Right, right. Huh. Ge- geeked in this case means killed. So oh. he was apparently mortally wounded by a gang um, who uh, was paid by a guy named Drake, who's supposedly the villain of the game, and you find out, spoilers for a 1993 game... Drake is a dragon, Sick. <laughs> and he has it out for you for whatever reason. Good. Um, one thing that I guess PNP people didn't agree with with this game was, so you're you're a, essentially a hacker or a decker, as it was called back in the day, oh, wow. uh, for Shadowrun. So, but you can also learn spells, although that's a point of contention, because if you're a decker slash hacker, you shouldn't be able to be like a shaman who knows magic at the same time. Hmm. But I, I thought that was like a neat... Uh, thing. I mean, for a video game, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why not? Otherwise, you have to make like two player classes in the game, and if you don't really have the bandwidth for that, exactly, why yeah. not let the player play as both? Yeah, I thought it was. And more so many of these, so way. many of these kinds of games are. You always end up as some kind of chosen one or some right, kind of some right. kind of exceptional person. So the idea that here's the one guy who could do both, yeah, is it's fine. It's more you know the lore mongers who are like Shadowrun lore monger, come at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't at, don't at me. I know Twitter. I know nothing. Come at me. <laughs> so um, what I was taken aback by with this game was how surprisingly dark it was for a pre ESRB mm. SNES game. Um, some minor things had to be removed, like before the game launched, like like words like chop shop guys became morgue guys. Alcohol was replaced with iced tea, of course. Uh, but there's still lots of gunfights. Pretty violent game. Enemies like audibly scream ah when they get killed which i actually kind of want to play that back for you here because it's kind of funny like <laughs> like just these audible like Ugh, things like that uh i, I love the vote that's probably my favorite and of course uh, a dog uh, <laughs> uh yeah i i really i was really fascinated by all of that and so and i found it hilarious at the same time but obviously the main draw of, uh Another big draw for me with the game was just the soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. really great, memorable melodies, uh, lots of moody tracks interspersed with upbeat tunes. It really kind of captures the oppressive and gritty vibe of the game. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go into three, uh, start off with three tracks from the SNES game. Um, the Morgue uh, has a very moody intro, bass, electric guitar that carry the mood around until it gets more upbeat with, like, 
then a suddenly a flute melody comes out of nowhere. It's the uh, it's the fantasy element coming in. Exactly. That's actually a good point. That's why I'm here, man. Yeah, man. Actually, I've never made that connection, and it's blowing my mind. <laughs> uh, it's like the, you got the sci-fi, and yeah. you got the... And then there's a weird lute and a, <laughs> exactly. and a harp. I, that, that does make sense. Um, I'll also play 10th Street, which is the first main area you're in in the game. Um, mm. in, the, in my notes, I put chunky slap bass up the wazoo. Mm. Gr- gritty in the streets, funky in the sheets. Wow. Um, and it's, then it's a PG show. <laughs> and the uh, gunfight music, which is this very dramatic, but it interspersed with like these jazzy keyboard solos. Uh, chunky bass is still in there. So, yeah, we'll kick it off again with Morgue, 10th Street, and Gunfight. <laughs> Thank you. 
That last one, actually, the... Yeah. That's right out of Smash TV. Uh, like, uh, ah, okay. the, the same instrumentation. If you think about when you turn on Smash TV... And You're right. I can see that now. Um, huh. But yeah, all three of those were also... Uh, we talked a lot in the break, uh, just thinking, like, it remind, It all reminds me of, like, 1995, 6, 7, like a song you would hear on the Mortal Kombat soundtrack yeah. that's, like... it's. It's not industrial, but it, it's definitely not industrial. It's but it's this like mix of like rock with edgier dance elements. Mm. Like it's like neither nor, but it's there's there's so many bands that never really had a hit, but they have like a bunch of songs on soundtracks and stuff. And there's just this, yeah, we have like a dance backbeat, but there's a lead guitar and maybe probably a bass, right? But it's more of a dance song in the DNA than it is a rock song. And that's I kept coming to that over and over again, and I couldn't think of an actual band. So go listen to the Mortal Kombat Annihilation soundtrack. <laughs> oh, Annihilation specifically. That's the one that more so because the '95 one is leans more rock. Yeah. To, to uh, electronic rock kind of stuff. KMFDM. Yeah, so yeah, I kind of get a KMFDM uh, specific like Juke Joint Jezebel mm. vibe, but it's it's not quite that either. But okay, I, I don't know. But those are all great. And John Carpenter was the other. Yes, the Morgue one. I think we were talking like kind of carpentry. The moodiness of it, and yeah, you know, and then and I, so I, yeah. what kind of game? Like you don't actually have character control. You're you, moving a cursor. Uh no 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 you you do so you're moving Jake around with the D pad, mm-hmm. but in order to inspect things in the environment, you press B. Okay. And a hand's oh, a pointer good. icon comes oh, up, good. This... and then you you just navigate it around, and you point at things, and you'll hit B again, and it'll give you options: examine, and then... pick up. Okay, like that and then how does combat unfold? So then combat. Let's say you walk into a room, and suddenly a bunch of hitmen start like opening fire on you. Mm-hmm. You press A to bring out your gun cursor, so it's just a crosshair uh-huh. that pops up on screen, and you navigate it. Over the, tor- dude. over the dude, and you keep mashing A <laughs> as you pump them full of lead. And so until they, they go, ah! <laughs> do they have a cursor that you can see, and you try to avoid it, or um, do you just get no? They, they you just get pelted with. And with, there's just like invisible dice rolls happening, I guess, pretty much as to whether you're being hit or not. Exactly. Huh. Yeah, and uh, and there is a, a level up system. You yeah. as you uh, kill enemies and things like that, you gain karma. And you use those karma points when you go to sleep um, to uh, to upgrade. You know, you, you're basically you choose what you want to upgrade first: health, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, gun, uh, firearms ability, that kind of thing. Huh. So, pr- kind of basic by today's standards, but like really. I mean, at the time, there was nothing else like that on Super Nintendo. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it was awesome. There's like you could go down the weird rabbit hole of like wizardry or right. some of those. I think there was an Ultima port, and it's not really the same thing, but yeah. like, there's no Diablo or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, and it seems vaguely Diablo y. Uh, like, not, kind of. Not quite, but. Not, not quite there, but, but the does closest we can. Yeah. yeah does it compare. support the mouse? The, the you know, I, I, I wish it did, but it didn't. Man. I think it would have been. I mean, there's also how would you navigate, like, Jake around? You'd probably but... have to have. I mean, this weird mouse keyboard setup, but it's Super NES controller. <laughs> Use your D-pad as your WASD. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to mention uh, Marshall Parker was actually interviewed a, a few times about the soundtrack. He didn't um, – there's not too much to, to look into with what he said in the past. But, um, I mean, in, in terms of, you know, 
hopping from NES to SNES to work on this game. He said, uh, the SNES, we could use samples of real sounds. Like, ah, obviously that explains ah. that. Uh, and we had Oof. eight channels, so of course it was a huge improvement uh, at the time. Uh, memory was very limited, of course, but it was still a huge step forward. And um, so other than that, he's also mentioned that even though it was so long ago, he was made aware um, a few years ago during a 2012 interview on uh, Esperino that uh, Shadowrun music struck a chord with a lot of players, and he finds that very gratifying. Um, it tells him that he did a, a job well done, yeah. <laughs> in a sense. So definitely stands out. Yeah, uh, I wanted to take this break to uh, mention this break from the music, rather, to talk about the shadow slang. So you noticed I said glitter boy. Um, I did. If you can literally just Google shadow slang glossary on Google, and you will find a dictionary of all the different words used it's kind of like uh like fracking or, yeah like yeah. battlestar galactica that kind of thing specific lingo in the shadowrun world um that's incredibly helpful to know not just like when playing the games but like you know playing the p- pen and paper and reading the novels things is like that is this a so, british invention by chance uh i don't think so because some of the some of the some s- of, slang feels very brito it a lot of it is taken, it's my chummer yeah chummer like, is your pal buddy yeah uh curse words include frag drek spug this is a um, pg show <laughs> my bad i have explained this i'm just explaining to you spug course. chummer <laughs> spug face is one used in the super nintendo uh the orcs call call you that well, spug face uncouth subhumans Dreckhead is another really good one oh my god <laughs> i'm sorry gotta bleep all these out there <laughs> um so uh, a few other terms i i put down here uh ballerina is a reflex boosted female assassin in the employ of a major corporation like i don't know that uh glitter boy it, which i used in the beginning if you remember <laughs> is a you can Mention it to be a rich person, media figure, rock star, that kind of thing. Uh, Bithead is uh, what you call a nerdy computer enthusiast. Like an otaku. Otaku, kind of. of. Um, Street Samurai is one of my favorite. That's one of the classes in the pen and paper game. Uh, That's a samurai who works for gangs, mobsters, or him or herself. So basically a samurai merc for hire. The term grunge is a derogatory term for an orc. Uh, no offense to orcs out there listening. Um, very very small orc listenership, yeah, so they won't uh, notice. All right, that's good. Um, Mr. Johnson is the slang term for referring to any anonymous employer or corporate agent. Mm. Like if they need you to do a shadow run right. or a job, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the Mr. Johnson or Miss Johnson. Um, Nuyen is the world standard currency, spelled N-U-Y-E-N. Yeah. Uh, Pixie is a derogatory term for... Elves or elven sympathizers, so Uh-oh. the anti-elf. Uh, so people just suddenly. So you're saying like randomly, kids are born and they have like pointy ears and can walk on it leaves. Seemed and... that, yeah, like at a certain point in the in huh. the war, yeah, that, that occurred, yeah. Uh, and then of course uh, I need to throw in a great interjection. Uh, rack off means go away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there's so much of this. It's 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 bonkers but um right. i i really love the, the slang and yeah uh I'm, I'm thinking back to the bar segment of the snes game where you buy a guy an iced tea so he can <laughs> spill the beans on something for you 
Um, you get a few iced teas in me, man. I'll talk. <laughs> exactly. So you give him the iced tea, and he's like, thanks, Chummer, my favorite, too. And it's like, yep, in, in this dark, dystopian world. An awful world. lot of uh, big foam head on this iced tea. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wanted to go into three more for the SNES game because it's my favorite. Let's do it. Uh, so we've got, as I was talking the bar segment, uh, Sleazy Bar. Keep in mind, these track titles are all fan-made. There's no official titles for some of these. Right. Uh, Sleazy Bar is uh, funky music that plays in most bars in the game, and that's where you can recruit extra shadow runners into your party. Uh, usually they work like you, you pay them a certain amount, and they'll stay in your party. Um, usually only for... So, some for a specific amount of time, and then they bounce. Mm. Others um, are like with you until they die, pretty much. Um then I've also got the cage. Uh, this is the first. The cage is the first nightclub you go into, into the game. And there's um, in the Shadowrun lore, there's a very popular pop star called Maria Mercurial, and she uh, in the Shadowrun universe, she's just like considered one of the like the biggest ones in the world, like very popular. So uh, I VG drummed to this cage song. It is on YouTube complete with an awful, awful, outdated, cheesy intro skit that I did with my brother. Oh, good. I don't recommend watching <laughs> it. Um, but no, it, uh, for me, this song, it was really cool to watch, like, sprites on a stage playing music live. Like, you walk in, you get through a bouncer, and then, like, fireworks sprout out from the stage, and you're watching, a, like, a, a sprite band perform hmm. on stage. This is, like, before Earthbound, mind you. So, right. So I was really taken aback by that, and... Uh, you know, they're playing the music live, and there's actually a lyrics text box that pops up with, like, the lyrics to the song huh. that they're playing, which I thought was really neat. Um, and then the third song we're going to go into is Uptown, and that's a upbeat, housey, I would call it, like, Shadowruns of Rage, mm. Koshiro-style yeah. kind of track. So, again, that's Sleazy Bar, The Cage, and Uptown. <laughs>
man, yeah, the last one is very, I don't know, like very mood shift from like dystopian future to like dance club. Yeah, it's still you know not a bright and cheery place like none right. of it is. Yeah, uh, it's all it, and it's always nighttime. It's never daytime in this mm. game. Uh, very typical, but uh, yeah, the cage the cage music in particular really brings me back because I drummed to that so many times, that so many takes, so much. I don't want to say frustration. I don't know. Just having to listen and re-listen and re-listen. Yeah, exactly. It's good stuff. But um, so that brings us into the Genesis game, which came out a year later uh, in 1994, Um, and that was developed by Blue Sky Software, the Vector Man, Jurassic Park. I remember the the company uh, screen that comes up with the when you turn Vector Man on. Oh, that's right. Like Blue Sky. That's right. That's right. And um. This one was actually published by Sega, so Data East had no involvement uh, with this one. Um, the Fossil license kind of like bounced around so much, it's kind of uh, hard to keep up. But um, this one, this had a sole composer, uh, Sam Powell. Um, he worked on the SNES conversion of Mortal Kombat and just like a crazy assortment of NES, SNES, Genesis sports games. Uh, too many to, to list. But... Um, Shadowrun for Genesis was also an action RPG, and it was more like a top-down as opposed to isometric, so think like Hotline Miami top-down viewpoint. Um, And in this one, there was a bit more customization. Like, you could choose your own class. You could be a street samurai, a decker slash hacker, a shaman, that sort of thing. Um, And the basic story is the protagonist's brother is murdered, and you're just trying to find out who did it, get your revenge, that kind of thing. Um, it's a lot more open-ended. Uh, like, the SNES game was way more linear when it came to, like, plot uh-huh. prog- progression, things like that. But um, it's much truer to the pen and paper game, but personally, I honestly couldn't get into it that much. I felt it was it's a really tough game. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I honestly don't... I had very little experience playing it. I, I did in the past, but... Um, and I don't have too much to say about the music either, but it is pretty neat. I do personally swear by the SNES version um, I've I think my first forum flame war I ever <laughs> witnessed uh, on, was on GameFAQs and it was fights over which one was better Shadowrun for SNES wow. and Shadowrun it's a very specific it's a very specific fight very specific but man I, I'd be amazed if some of those arguments still exist on that I mean on that a lot forum. of that stuff is there forever yeah so um, you know, I don't want to poo-poo the Genesis as I used to do a lot, but um, I think that the, the music, I've, I've kind of grown to like uh, the Shadowrun Genesis soundtrack, and maybe I'll give the game a spin someday, I don't know, but... Um, Does it I, have the same cursor stuff, or do you have more uh, direct control? No, so it's like, it was a little stranger to me. Like, you pressed one button to lock onto an enemy, and then you mashed another button to to shoot and but i think you can move and shoot if i Hmm. recall correctly maybe i'm i'm wrong but again it's been a very long time since i tried it but every time i've tried it like i really want to give it a chance and i Mm -hmm. just can't get into it too hard so you know feel free to tell me how i'm wrong for preferring the snes version in the comments whatever but uh yeah i just i just connected way more with the uh, super nes game Mm -hmm. i thought it was easier to get into that that sort of thing but now musically um i've really grown to like it and uh i have three tracks i wanted to specifically point out um downtown seattle which is a very upbeat cool build up with a climactic guitar part 
uh, abandoned building, which brings things down very uh, like moody, atmospheric, until the dentist drill guitar <laughs> synth uh, synthesizer <laughs> oh, kicks in. So oh, boy. prepare your ears, but it's st- it's still a really cool uh, cool uh, tune to get you in the mood. But uh, and then finally, one of the there's like four different bar themes in this game. Uh, bar two is the one I picked. It's very catchy. Lots of weird synth soloing. Uh, my notes say thunks and plunks. <laughs> I was very creative when drafting this. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I still think it's worth uh, checking out. Definitely has a cooler box art than the SNES version. I would yeah, say. the SNES yeah. is just the ram horns. Yeah, like, the, that yeah. classic Shadowrun logo, whereas like the Genesis box art actually has like like an elf mage and, oh, nice. and like a, a, a Decker... It feels weird to say Decker when, like, Hacker is the new terminology yeah. in the Shadowrun universe. But, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it shows a lot more action on the front cover than the SNES game did. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, but, yeah, again, downtown Seattle, abandoned building, and bar two.
well, the middle one abandoned building was right? yeah. was <laughs> full on like d- here. Oh. here like, I warned I warned I warned yeah, you about the dentist. It's drill. like if um, you it's everything people make fun of Genesis music for, and <laughs> don't do that ever again. But the I thought I kind of like the jarringness of it. It's, but yeah, it's, it's, it's jarring yeah. in an interesting way where it does sound like someone like tuning a guitar or <laughs> not, and I don't mean that in like a jokey way. It does right. sound like someone who's on a stage, like just cranking something out. Right, right. And like, and it's kind of loud and obnoxious, and it's too loud. But mm. I, I did kind of get like I don't know. Being in the building, it felt appropriate. Where like it's someone in. Like when you get to a bar before hours, mm. and it's somebody, and the speakers suck. And right, it's too, right. Like it, it did set a tone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on its own, maybe it's a bit abrupt. But bar right. two, I got kind of a road rash vibe from that. Yeah. Um, but definitely, that was way more interesting to me. Like mm. it did try to do guitar approximations, but right. it was smarter about how it approached the electric guitar sound. Yeah, and it, it changed up so much. It, yeah. The, re-listening to it now just made me realize, like, wow, this goes. All over the place is, in a way, it's but busy. it's neat. Yeah, it's busy, but but that's yeah, kind of like, cool yeah. in a game like I this. Liked it. So, yeah, kind of keeps you on on edge. And I think I saw when I was looking through the glossary here. There's Edge Runner, a Shadow Runner, literally one who lives on the edge. <laughs> um, edge Zone is a strip, kind of like the Vegas Strip, but or an area of potential coolness. Yeah. So kind of appropriate there. Um, yeah, and uh, I guess with that, we can go into the Sega CD game. So, uh, in 1996, uh, they released a Japan-only Shadowrun game, just called Shadowrun, on the Mega CD, as it was called there. Um, and it is actually the last Sega-slash-Mega CD game ever released. Huh. Um, and it was developed and published by Compile. They made Gunnack and Puyo Puyo. And this is like the Saturn's already out even by this point. Right, yeah, in Japan. So uh, th- this one is a huge d- departure. Like, it's manga-style visuals. Uh, it's very much like a visual novel mixed with JRPG turn-based battles. Huh. And, um, yeah, the action outcomes are determined by an actual on-screen six-sided die. Like, the die, the, the dice actually rolls on screen. Hmm. Um, and movement-wise, on the map, it's kind of like, Shining Force is the best example to describe it. It's like tile-based. Oh, interesting. Kind of, uh, you know, moving up in front of an enemy and executing a command, that sort of thing. Don't recommend the battle music of this game. One of the few few games where I don't even want to play it. Like, I just don't recommend the battle music. Uh, But nevertheless, the the music took me back, like, back when I finally delved into it. Uh, There's not much uh, information on it, but the only composer group or name I got out of this one was LMS Music. There are no official composer names or anything like that. If anybody knows, please add that to some kind of wikia so people will know. But um, It features primarily PSG styled music, but it has a great Redbook audio intro that I wanted to uh, Mm. feature as well. Um, Very like like techno-ish, like electronic for the most part. Um, Best, I, I would have to compare it to, to Koshiro again, like Streets of Rage style, that sort of thing. Um, I wanted to give a shout out, by the way, to Justin Pfeiffer. He's uh, for providing these tracks because, like, no full rips of this soundtrack exist. Hmm. Um, and if you put a CD into, like, the PC, obviously you could probably 
extract the red book audio yeah. but psg is a lot more complicated you gotta know when it's on a cd yeah you gotta so, know what you're doing yeah so uh props to and, and i do not to justin for helping out on that um Maybe at this point there's more music out there, uh, but you can find most of it on, on YouTube. So uh, what I wanted to play, and of course I've never tried this game out. Um, I think people tried to do a translation patch or were in the process, but maybe that went nowhere. I don't I don't really know. You've got to so. be real dedicated to, yeah. to translate the 1996 Mega CD Shadowrun. Right. <laughs> manga styled pen and paper dice game yeah yeah uh, it's it's very specific um i i do have to say it is interesting that it bears the title of the last sega cd game ever that is interesting uh, yeah. yeah and i didn't realize it would go that late because yeah, man, the, U- the u.s man. like this thing was abandoned by 93 really yeah, right like, 93 94 kind of Right, because um, I got one in '92, and even then they oh, were wow. like discounted and giving you things, and like Dark Wizard, Lunar were like the last two. I think oh, Lunar man. Two might have been '95. Oh wow, I, don't I know remember. Snatcher was probably '94, I think. Yeah, if I recall correctly, but yeah, that's nuts. Um, so the three tunes where we're gonna do the Red Book audio uh, intro music, just called intro. Uh, then there's the home base music of the game called Silver Moon, and then uh, Tokyo Streets, which is the the one I would closely associate with house, 90s house music, that kind of style. So, uh, yeah, let's give those a shot. <laughs>
No, those were all great. Those might be. I are, mean, are they shadow runny? Uh, absolutely, I'm not sure. <laughs> absolutely not. But uh, that type, I don't know. All those really struck a chord with me, mm. and uh, that is definitely like the, the the Sega CD early PlayStation One Saturn music era is one I really love. So all three mm. of those were like right up there for me. Right, I hear you. But yeah, very house dancey. Yeah. Does not convey the dystopian, beat down future of. Companies ruining the world, right? Which we're <laughs> experiencing right now, you guys. <laughs> well, that's never going to change, <laughs> of course. Um, but yeah, like yeah, su- such a they're all 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 three of these titles very unique in their sounds. Yeah, it At is. At the very least, the yeah. first two are more yeah, like it's, this is a dark world. Where, it is so um, weird that it's a pen and paper thing that generated three games in four years. And they're all completely different. Don't share a composer, a development house, nope. a publisher. Like, no similarities. Yeah. But clearly people kept thinking, this brand needs a video game, and we're going to be the ones to get it right. Right. And it's like, nobody, it never took off. Like, none of these were hits, That's uh, my understanding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Shadowrun for SNES, I know, is a pretty rare game to uh, find as, like, an SNES collector, so... Um, yeah, I, I I don't know if these really performed well at all or anything like that. But. It's just so weird. That, like by the third time, they're like, "All right, this time, guys, <laughs> we're gonna make it work." Yeah, like, and it's such it's a great premise. It's it, it is, is strange, and yeah. I guess this kind of brings us to the end of the show. Right, in that it did get a weird resurgence ten years ago, ten two thousand seven. Uh, the Shadowrun game for Xbox three hundred and sixty and games for Windows Live. Um, one of the first like cross-platform like PC 360 games. Oh yeah, you I play. But it was a, a multiplayer FPS. There was no single-player campaign. Like that was cut from the game. Um, you bought items Counter-Strike style, and one thing that I like very much recall was um, because it was 360 players playing against PC players to kind of. Uh, make it more fair on the analog stick users, they added aim assist for the 360 right. players against the mouse and keyboard guys. So, like, um, and uh, on top of all that very loose interpretation of the Shadowrun universe, it's yeah, yeah. kind of considered the black sheep in many ways, yeah. and I don't, you know, I'm not surprised. So I remember when this was yeah. announced, like, I, 10 years ago, I was, we were in Games Radar by then, even, mm-hmm. and, like, covering this, and then when it was announced... There's a couple people in the building at Future in general who who were Shadowrun fans, mm. like and played the pen and paper game, and were like, "What is this? Right. Like the idea that it's an FPS is already like, well, I guess because yeah, it's always been like strategic or some kind of RPG sim thing, but all those things are just representing action. So you could make a shooter." I guess, because there is right. running and shooting in the game. So, okay, maybe I'm on board, but no campaign with no story. That's weird. Yeah. And then uh, and then we're already on top of that. Then it's a loose interpretation where they're taking a lot of liberties with what Shadowrun even is or means. Exactly. And it's like, yeah. then who is this supposed to be for if you don't have that core audience on board and there's no single-player content either. And I know Counter-Strike gets away with it because it's like the game's just so tight, you don't need a story. Exactly, yeah. But it, it, when, you, when, you, when you get a brand, like, on some level, you got to 
pay respect to the brand. And a lot of people grew up with those classic Shadowrun games, so sure. it's like, yeah, it was, it, it was a very strange time for Shadowrun. It's weird. Um, the licensing was all out of whack, like, but finally 2013 came around and um, Jordan Weissman kind of got a hold of that license again, and that paved the way for Hairbrain Schemes to come back with Shadowrun Returns, uh, and that I believe that was like the first really huge successful video game Kickstarter hmm. project. Like uh, it got funded massively. Uh, it was released on PC, and then later like every like you know mobile device, uh, Mac, like the whole shebang, and it did really well. And while I'm, I'm ashamed to say I never finished it, um, it does capture the Shadowrun vibe perfectly. Um, it even weaves the stories of the Super Nintendo and Genesis games into the plot. Wow. Like, Jake Armitage is in the game, yeah. like, as kind of a cameo. But it's actually really funny, because in the Super Nintendo game, he wakes up in the morgue, like, he's in a slab, uh -huh. and he gets out. The way you come across him in the Shadowrun Returns is he sleeps in a slab yeah. in a morgue. Like, that's uh, his go-to place, which wow. is kind of funny. So, And um, on top of that, the composers came back. Marshall Parker came huh. back. And he worked with his son, uh, Gavin Parker, on the music. And Sam Powell from the Genesis version contributed some music, too. Wow. So, obviously, uh, uh, unfortunately, we don't have time to go over that. Honestly, Shadowrun Returns and its, like, expansions like Hong Kong and um, uh, Dragonfall, they, I think they deserve their own episode sure. because the music is really damn good. Um, oh, cool. Highly recommend. Uh, all of that is on Bandcamp. Unfortunately... No way in hell you'll ever find the SNES Genesis no. or or uh, or Sega Mega CD yeah. soundtracks, you know, in any official capacity. for any way to legit purchase. Yeah. Right, S someday, you know, crossing my fingers, pie in the sky dream. But um, uh, I mean, all it great seems, tracks. It seems like yeah. if anybody could, well, it seems I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have. <laughs> right, because you even got the composers back. And if anyone would have connections to whoever owns that music, right. you'd think it would be them. Yeah. And granted, half those companies probably don't exist anymore. Right, So right. it's like, if he has the rights... Right, like Data East doesn't exist anymore, he, so who owns Yeah, the, who did, yeah. did that roll up in anybody? Does it somehow belong to Square Enix in some weird way? Like, yeah. Who that, knows? It's, right? a, it's a good question because, uh, you know, I, I think Foss... No, I think Fossa shut down, yeah. Or, or there's some new kind of Fossa corporation as far as I know, that handled the Shadowrun license. Okay. But, like, I know Jordan Weissman has some stake in it, but it's so confusing because they have no... He has... His company doesn't have any control over the SNES release, sure. Genesis, anything yeah. like that. So I think that part is... A, and I know Microsoft was involved, obviously, uh, with the license at some point, yeah. uh, obviously with the 2007 game. So it's all... Yeah, it's, it's strange. Yeah. <laughs> and well, that's the sad fact... Of the games industry sometimes as much as we love it. Yeah. Um, some things are just overly difficult. Just stuck in purgatory. Yeah. But, but it is you cool. You can find it out there. It is yeah. cool that it got a chance to come back, though. Like It did, And yeah. came back seemingly well, was received well, oh, yeah. and got back on track. So hopefully they're planning. So how, old, how old is the most recent expansion? Um, Hong Kong, I want to say, came out in 2014 or 2015. Mm. Okay, well, so it's not very recent. Not yeah. too bad. Yeah, and it's it's been doing great from very popular on Steam, that kind of thing. Huh. Like these turn, uh, and it's like isometric, turn-based, oh, nice. XCOM, cl classic Fallout-style games. Um, I dig them a lot. And uh, the music also has references to the SNES 
tunes yeah. as well, like the gunfight theme, things like that. But that'll be for another time. Another uh, time. You can check those out on Bandcamp. But in any case, that that about does it for the show. Right. Um, yeah, I guess uh, plug time. So, and those I always have a lot of. But uh, you can follow me on at on Twitter. I'm at Patrick K U L. Um, I also have my VG Drum uh, YouTube video channel. Um, and, of course, you can find me on some fan arrangement albums, uh, Chronicles of Time. That's a Chrono Trigger uh, fan arrangement album. And more recently, Tribute Album 64, which is a just uh, N64 tribute album, obviously, uh, where I perform on a prog metal cover of Goa Goa Spark from uh, Mystical Ninja starring Gomon. Um, so you can check that out on YouTube. It's also tributealbum64.bandcamp.com. Um, I highly advise West Coasters to go to MagWest because MagFest is bringing it to the West Coast end of August. Meet me there. We'll have a fun time. It'll be great. Um, or you can go to MagFest in Washington, D.C., uh, held usually like every January or so. And then, of course, I've been on previous VG Empires, Breath of Fire, Vandal Hearts, Double Dragon, Maho Daisaksen, and uh, Star Fox more recently, which is relevant given the SNES Classic announcement yep. of Star, Star Fox, Fox 2. 2 is, did we play Star Fox 2 songs? We did. Oh, I, I was hyping those up so much, and like I, I recall people in the comments like really digging it. Yeah, they, I remember. Now yeah. you get to experience it in the game. I can't believe yeah. I'm saying that. That's nuts. That, it's nuts. Like all they We gotta, predicted this. Uh, we made this happen. I was thinking about that in that <laughs> if, if they set a precedent where, like, hey, this unreleased game that was essentially finished, like... Now we're gonna like just you know tighten the screws on it and get it out the door. Um, could they make a Game Boy? I know the idea of a Game Boy Mini is a little silly in and of itself, right. but a Game Boy Advance thing that has GB or GBA games in it that you plug into a TV, and that's how you get Mother Three. Finally, mm. is they have an English one? I feel like that's a little different. It is. Well, it is. They have an English one in the form of a fan transfer. Of a fan Whether they would go with that yeah i know they i know nintendo wouldn't do that mm. but if that's the way they would finally decide to do it is this mass market thing rather than rely on it to sell units digitally mm. if they could recoup the investment of tra- doing this translation because the name game boy still carries a lot of nostalgic weight right and if you put much like a super nintendo thing on the shelf and it says like game boy mini has 50 game boy games on it or something like right. that would also sell really well true and maybe that's a way you'll get mass market appeal just because it says Game Boy. Because mm. um, anyone who grew up there, they have kids now. I mean, they're our age, they're 30s and 40s at this point. And for from 89 to 04, Game Boy meant something as a name. Right. That's a long time. Uh, but then to nerdos like us, knowing that Mother 3 is on there, it's like, oh my God, like now you've got mass market appeal and there's this super niche thing kind of tucked in there which is what Star Fox 2 is nobody walking into Target seeing that thing sweet tar- Star Fox 64 <laughs> they finally did it like there's no guy there's, that's not happening no. but they'll see oh it's got Zelda and Mario and Donkey Kong Country sweet I'm in right like, that, that's all I really cared about like, yeah that anyway, line, that lineup's great. It is a could use some shadow run. Just like, never gonna happen. They get out ever. Um, but yeah, you can go to vgempire.com, find all the episodes there. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher, and VG Empire on Twitter as well as a place you can uh, occasionally post things or retweet related video game music content. There, uh, I do check every comment on the site, so always appreciate the comments. 
And uh, that's about it. Uh, what's taking us out? Well, I want to call to mind one more shadow slang word, Thunderwear. A slang term for form-fitting body armor. Nice. <laughs> Finally, underwear that's fun and safe. Anyway, uh, what's taking us out is a remix of the ending theme to Shadowrun for the SNES. There was this guy who... So you, you can mod in Shadowrun Returns, and people were trying to recreate the SNES game in Shadowrun Returns uh, uh. itself, but that project was uh, shelved. But the composer for this, the remixer decided screw it i'm gonna release these tracks that i made for it anyway online so he put them out on soundcloud uh the user's name i'm gonna butcher so oh, wow un un unium yeah u-n-u-n-u-n-i-u-m uh his or hers Shadowrun revamps as as they call them are just phenomenal they sound great and very high quality and I figured putting the ending theme Why not? as the final. Yeah. Why not, pretty much. So thanks again, Chummers, for tuning in. <laughs> I had to throw it in. I love And I don't love forget one. to frag off. <laughs> That's pretty.